Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Uh, your story, uh, Ron was married to Lauren, living in Michigan. I had some connections to the Cleveland area. Uh, had two amazing girls. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, life, life changed for us a little bit. Um, we went to an amusement park, and um, shortly after, Lauren started talking about double vision, and we weren't sure if it was like effects of a, like a long-term concussion, and if, if you've been on an amusement park ride after age 30, you kind of understand some of that at this point. Um, and so we went to the eye doctor. Eye doctor said, I can't see anything. Um, followed up with that, did an MRI for you know, 20, 30 minutes. And shortly thereafter, and sometimes if you've had an MRI, you know, like, it can take a few days to get the response back, but we got a response back that night. We need you to come in and, and, and do another MRI, and this one was going to be in the neighborhood of two to three hours, and we're going to have to inject dye and um, kind of check out where things are at. And um, they did that, and a few days later, one of the, the top doctors in our, our area there in Michigan said, this is a really, really serious uh, brain tumor that you have developed. Now, this all took place roughly around October 2015? 2015, 2015 right? yeah. And so symptoms had shown up. You'd been dealing with it for a few years. Uh, you know, and even in those years, you, you guys had two amazing girls. And, you know, I mean, life's just trekking. You know, you're, you're working at your job. She's doing what she's doing, working for, you know, just traveling and doing different things. Tell me about Jesus. And also in October 2015, Tell us exactly what the diagnosis was. Yeah, so if you can understand the language, it's, it's called DIPG for short, Diffuse Intrinsic Pontine Glioma. And when you hear it or see the diagnosis, this is typically, there's been a lot of news made about it. I believe about eight, nine years ago, a girl named Lauren Hill played basketball for a D3 college, and she was diagnosed with it. Uh, but generally speaking, for, for kids and adults, there is no cure. Uh, life expectancy is somewhere between eight to 10, 10 months for kids. I mean, and it's three to 500 kids every year, and for adults, it's incredibly rare. So we're talking three to five adults, maybe, maybe in the United States. And so when you're doing that, like treatment becomes really, really hard to figure out and define because there is no real treatment for three to five adults. That's just not how our system works. And so you, you become the trial for everything. Uh, spending money somewhere between fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month to try to find a treatment in Texas or pursuing going overseas, like everything about it changes. And you don't even know the symptoms because you're in it. You don't know how the symptoms are changing. You just kind of live in it. And until something new pops up, you're like, okay, well, we'll learn how to deal with that. And so it takes a month or two to adjust to that, and then something else pops up, and you just learn how to grow with it. You know, that's one of the things when we talked earlier that I got really intrigued with. He said, you know, because it's so rare, I mean, again, we're talking about three to five adults a year. And as he said, I mean, just so you understand, the way our medical system's set up, you know, they don't, you know, they don't have a hospital set up for, hey, we set this whole hospital up for the three to five adults that may have this this year. And he said, you, you find yourself constantly just dealing with the symptoms. And it made me realize, I was like, you know, I, I, 
can I, can I make sure today as we go through this, can I get you to, to look into the root of what's really going on and not look at the symptoms? Like I know that the actual diagnosis in your life, whatever that may be, it may be a lack of relationship with Christ, it may be an addiction, it may be a relationship struggle, it may be depression, it, may, it runs the gamut. And if you just keep trying to combat the symptoms, you're, you're never going to get to the issue that's there. Now, Ron's situation is a little bit different. What he's talking about is a tumor that's on the spinal, the bottom of the spinal cord where it attaches yeah, to the Yeah, the brain stem, right? Brain Every, stem. Controls everything in, controls everything out. There's no way to do surgery. Surgery's not an option. And so when they're dealing with the symptoms, they're dealing with the symptoms because the actual situation, they're just doing everything that they can. That's all you can do in this situation, but it's not all that you can do in yours. And it's not all that I can do in mine. Like, like make sure that you know what the root of the situation is. Well, you guys are dealing with this, and, and personal question, how are you dealing with this? It's a, it's a great question, um, and even what you were speaking to there, not the, not the symptom, but the root. And, and we had a lot of words almost immediately spoken over us that, you know, I will not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. I mean, that was, that was our life verse in our house. And we believed in that, and we walked in faith, and that had lots of, of words over that. Uh, but there did come a time uh, where it was like, okay, she's going to be healed. She's going to be healed, but when? She's going to be healed. How bad does it have to get? Does it have to get bad enough where I have to carry her to and from bed for that to be healed? Does it, does it have to be bad enough for her to have to slowly chew food or not be able to chew food at all? And so you're sitting there processing that. And God's been good through all of it. Like, I was never, ever angry with God for it. Like, I knew we knew where this tumor came from, but in the, in the, in the moment, you're like, man, how, do, how am I going to deal with that? Because you're dealing with the symptoms. And if you've been a, a long-term caregiver here in the room, like, you know, you understand. It's, it's so hard. You're in the moment, and then all of this new thing pops up. And you're like, I just figured this thing out. And so you wrestle with that at the, at the same time trying to do my job full time. Because we need to have an income as well. Yeah, I want to pause for just a second. Because I just feel like there may be somebody online or somebody in the room or somebody hears this podcast. And I, I want to, you know, we, we talk about four things here. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom, discover your purpose, and go make a difference. I, I want to hit two for a second, find some freedom. I don't want to ever come across to make you think that faith, is being so blind to what you're around that you're not preparing and moving forward. And that's something that really I want to say to make sure that Ron knows that he did one heck of a job. Like, I understand, like, like prep preparation in the reality of what's going on is not doubt. Everybody hear that? Preparation in the reality of what's going on is not doubt. You just have to make sure that as you're doing those things, that you don't lose faith knowing that God at any moment can say, okay, I, you know, poop, here we go. Well, we're getting close to 
school starting in 2019. In 2018, you guys, you know, you're in Michigan. You're moving down for a little bit warmer weather. You know, it, it kind of fits the, the diagnosis a little bit better. And, you know, you, you've got the girls, and, and they're getting ready to go to school. But you told me that it really was July of 2019 where, where you started to just, it was a little bit like you started getting a little bit concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just thinking about symptoms, she wasn't able to drive anymore. Uh, had to use a, a walker to be able to get around. Uh, didn't have a lot of energy, like would go to bed at 7 o'clock at night. So from that time to I to go to bed, I would just by myself. The girls maybe already headed to bed or just just trying to not cause any waves or ripples within the house so that she could rest as much as possible. And, and not knowing what the next day was going to be. It may be a really hard day. It may be a really good day. You never knew when exactly it was going to pop up. And so moved into getting ready to start the school year for 2019 and just didn't feel comfortable leaving her at home by herself, knowing if she tried to move on her own, would I come home and she was laying there on the floor? Or if she tried to get herself something to eat, would she able to be able to chew it? If she tried to take pills, would she be able to actually swallow them versus choking on them? And so we had sought out people, people from our church at the time, to come in and watch, but even it was, it was becoming too much for them. So we had kind of saw hospice as palliative care because we're still believing she's going to be healed. Like, she's, she's going to be healed. We're just walking through it. And um, it, it was pretty soon into that, into that school year where your, your faith in one aspect starts to be challenged because you see, you see with your eyes what's taking place, but you still have your faith of what's, what you want to believe. And so you start to battle with that back and forth. You talked about talking to the girls. And, and to me, this is where I'm going to get emotional. I, I thought it was so profound what you said. You, you said you wanted to talk to your girls because of one simple reason. Just share with them your reason behind talking to the girls as you're going into the school year because you see things getting worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get yeah, through that I, part. I um, so our girls at the time are first grade and um, well, actually kindergarten and second grade, so they're really young. And how do you fully explain that to them at that age? Mommy has a tumor. Well, what does that mean? Because you've got two little girls that look pretty much just like their mother. So does that mean I have the tumor? Uh, is that going to be growing inside of my head? But I just wanted to reassure, reassure them that where this tumor came from, came from Satan. And if you need to be mad at anyone at any point in time, you can direct your anger to him and at him because God didn't want this for us. It's not his desire for us. It's him. And you can always direct that anger towards him. I put down this quote, which is exactly what you just said. You said, I knew where the tumor came from. If they, referring to his girls, if they were going to be upset, I wanted it to be directed appropriately. I, I need all of you to hear this. God is not the orchestrator of disease or sickness. In the very beginning, he made everything perfect to live forever. And when sin entered this world, Literally, you can read in Genesis chapter 3 over into chapter 4 
where it talks about where thistles and thorns came from, where death and disease came from. And you say, oh, well, did yes, there is a spiritual ram that's going on. When that serpent deceived Eve, he knew what he was doing, and he only has three things that he wants to do. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And he will use whatever he can. He will use cancer, he will use tumors, he will use Lyme disease, he will, he will use addictions, he will use, like you need to know that when you're going through a trial, sometimes in church life, we all, it's almost like we're trying to, to make sure that everybody knows that God's so powerful that he's in control that we make God be the author of these things. God is not the author of death. He is the giver of life. Everything submits to his sovereignty. But if you have a loved one or even if yourself is going through something, you need to know. Look at me. It's okay to be upset. But just make sure that you're making that upset, point it towards the appropriate situation, and that is not Jesus. Well, you, you've talked to your girls. You, you said, you know, you didn't even know if you... Like, I don't know if I handled this right. Like, there's no rule book. There's not like, hey, here's how to do this. And, and you're dealing with all these things. And then October the 25th, 2019, a day that I'm sure will be etched in your memory forever. Because that's the day that Lauren passed away. Yeah, so. it's a lot of emotions with that. Um, by that point, I, I talked a lot to the nurse and uh, hospice nurse, and if, if you've been through that, there's kind of a, a bag of medication that comes at the very end, and she didn't ask for pain meds a whole lot, and so when I had to go in there the last week and administer to them, I knew what was happening. I knew what it meant. I would just go into the bathroom and cry. It doesn't matter if you're married one year, 10 years, 50 years. Like, you never expect till death do us part to be so quick. That's, that's never written into the rules of how it works, you know? They don't put that in the stories. And so you're sitting there processing that. And now you've got these two awesome little girls. And you're trying to love on them, knowing that you're not going to be raising them with a mom. And all the things that she gets to miss out on, that she won't be there. Prom dresses, weddings, just all the things. And you start going through that. And thankfully, I was doing some counseling beforehand. Um, and, and I'll just have to make a quick note. Like, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and sometimes counseling is looked upon like, well, they must really have something. They, they must have really sinned. Um, that's not the case. Like, if you're here and you need counseling, get, get counseling because it's going to, you need to walk through it, and there's going to be someone who can professionally walk through it with you. 
So thankfully, I was doing that, but I made it my, my goal. I knew one person died that day, but I couldn't have two people die that day. Okay, pause. Oh, that's good. One, pe- one person died that day, but he couldn't have two. Like, I, listen to me. I, I, I don't mind telling you, like, like, this is one of those mornings that, that I just have to hone in and, and keep talking to the voices in my head to not say everything that's in there. Because I'll start asking the wrong questions. But know that God was still in control. He may not have been the author of all this that's happening. We know it's because of sin and because this world is in the process of declining and that death entered here. But the thing is, is that when tragedy like this hits, like like some of you need to hear this. You have experienced a terrible loss in your life and you have stopped living yourself. And you need to know that God is still giving you breath because he has purpose and you have hope. And I know it's tough. Like, I mean, I I can remember two days before my 13th birthday burying my father and and going, oh, I don't know what to do now. Now, And I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot right now. I'm just... I just want you to know, I, I, I understand, use that word loosely, loss. But you just got to make sure that you don't die on that same day as well. So you said you got to make sure that two people didn't die that day. So I, I wrote this down. You literally said, so day one was I wanted to get up and take a shower. Wake up, take a shower. That was, that was the agenda. And then day two was? Get up, take a shower, go for a walk. Like, you don't have to get all the way. Nobody is expecting you to be like, oh, I love Jesus, so everything's just butterfly and rainbows. And, man, I just, because of Jesus in my heart, I just, woo, let's, it's going to be tough. But you still got to take steps. So you're doing these things, and you're going through day one, you're going through day two, and and you actually had two funeral services, one here in Tennessee and one up in Michigan. Uh, The the one in Michigan, they kept kind of having one constant question they were asking you. What was that question? Just going back a a moment here, one of the reasons we moved to Cleveland, we did have connections um, here, um, but we thought it would also help just kind of being warmer so that was one part of it but as we're up there and people kept asking it and it's not uncommon because death is a an awkward thing so people are searching for words what do I say to this person who's lost his wife and he's not even 40, 40 years old yet so they kept asking you know so are you going to move back to Michigan you going to move back to Michigan that's where all our families both sides are located and they kept asking and thankfully thankfully for the grace of God you just you just said I don't I don't know Right now, I don't, I don't know how to process that because really in grief, like I could be driving down the road and I turned on the street and I completely forgot what I was thinking about. I mean, it's just reality. So you sit there and you try to process all the pieces that are going together and like, I don't know if that's what I need to do. And, and thankfully, I didn't make that decision just yet right away. But you, you have this, this funeral, you have these debates, you're... All of a sudden, you're at a house by yourself with two girls, needing connection more than ever before. 
and COVID hits. And literally the world shuts down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can speak for myself. Many of you can. Like, COVID for some of us was a very, very lonely time. Maybe you didn't get to see the people that you normally saw or interact like this. Um, so I was already feeling lonely. And then you add this layer on. And so then your mind starts ruminating all the time of, okay, what should I do? And sometimes you don't have the people to, to process that out with or share those thoughts with because we weren't supposed to be in the same proximity of other people. So all of a sudden, the, the counseling that you were able to go to, the, the, the grief class that you were going to, the friends that you need from support, all of a sudden, I mean, a Pandora's box. Like, man, like, it's just hard for me to put my head around, to be honest with you, Ryan, because it's like, now you're literally finding yourself in this house with these girls, and it's just the three. There's no job that you're going to to get the fulfillment and the coming. There, it's just you. And and in that time, you said you. That's when you. You know, one of the things you said. Number one rule in your grief class was you don't make major decisions. You know, when you're dealing with grief, don't make any big decisions. And I, and I failed that. And <laughs> you decided to do what? Uh, so July hits, and I was. Like, well, maybe things are going back to normal. I don't know. So maybe I will move us all back to Michigan. And, and quite frankly, I just needed something to do. I needed something to do with my hands. I needed some way to process. And my way to do that was to pack up a house and sell it and go 600 miles north. How long did that last? <laughs> Two months. Two months. I don't know. I, I'll speak to myself, but I was in a place, I took a teaching position, and day one, I knew I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here, and it wasn't because of the people, I just knew it was wrong, and from that point, September to October, I started searching out ways, okay, I've got to get, I've got to get back, because I'm not supposed to be in Michigan, I'm supposed to be in Cleveland. I, I wanted him to share that part, and we're not trying to hit warp speed, I mean, obviously, there's so much to this story. But I want you to know that obedience in life is not always knowing what to do. Sometimes it's knowing what not to do. Like sometimes in your life, you're not going to know exactly what you need to do. But it's going to be very obvious what you, like, I know I don't need to do this. And I think that's this experience. He's like, you know, I, okay, I, 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 didn't, I shouldn't have done this. So he moves back and. And, and I say all that because now we're kind of like, it's after the funeral. We've made a transition to Michigan. We've made a transition back to Cleveland. Uh, doors open up. Ron uh, coaches track and is a teacher at an amazing school, Cleveland Middle School. And you have relationships with friends. And you move into a neighborhood that's close to friends. But, but you told me when we were talking, you said, but the, the tough part was is, is everybody's kind of going back to normal. You know, COVID's kind of releasing a little bit but you don't have a normal anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and I think we've, we've all probably seen the athletic player or whatever, loses father, sibling, whatever, and then they go out and have the game of their life the next day. And, and I think we culturally celebrate that, but the reality of it is grief is a lot harder than that. Um, you have a funeral... And in two to three days, the most people that attended, they go back to what they were doing. They go back to their life. There is no return to normal for me. 
there, there, there wasn't, I can do things the way I always did them. Our life was dramatically changed from that point forward. And so learning how to process that and do that. And that's why I loved my walks, because you can go back and look at where, you ask the question, where do you see God in all of that? And he met me so faithfully in every time I went for a walk. I mean, quite frankly, if, if that scene from Forrest Gump where he just goes on a long run, I could have done that walking for days and just processed with God. I, I, just, I could have been there. Just how faithful and how good he was to meet me in those times. And just to be able to worship. You, you had told me, you said these walks became a major deal because you just put in some, some worship music. You'd walk. And you said that it was so good for you to be able to worship God and to listen to God and to pray to God. And you'd say you'd be walking and just start crying, just bawling, have to stop. But you said, but you were confident because you knew that God had already experienced everything you'd already experienced. That you knew that Scripture talks about how we have a, a Savior, a high priest. In fact, I want to show you that Scripture. Because sometimes you hear people talk about, oh, that's somewhere in God. No, I want to show it to you. It's in Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. You'll see it on the screen. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is every who but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time, then look at the end, of need. Like not only do we not want to misdirect where some of this stuff's come from, but we also don't want to lose sight in the fact that, you know what? Jesus not only sympathizes and understands, he has experienced everything that you have experienced. And then some. Because as you move forward in this life, this world is still rapidly declining. And until the new heaven and the new earth is set up, it, he's still in the process. So you, you, you deal with these things, and I love the fact that, and, and Ron, I'll be honest with you, I, I did not understand it. I sit in my office, and, I, you know, you... You left, and we spent some time together, and I was like, hey, I need to lock the doors, and then I'm going to turn off the lights, and I'll be right behind you. And you left, and I made sure you drove down the driveway, and I went in my office and just cried, and I was like, how in the wow? Because you over and over and over kept saying, but despite all these things going on, I knew that God was good. Yeah, uh, and, and part of it was in those walks, and, and just what you shared, Father, Son, Holy Spirit has experienced every single thing, every single emotion. There is nothing that catches his off guard. I mean, the shortest passage, Jesus wept. He wept for his friend. It doesn't say that scripturally, but, you know, when the veil tore, I believe that was the heart of the Father just tearing in two. There, everything that we can experience, be upset with, cry out. Like, that's why I had no shame in just sharing my emotion. I'd be on a walk, and something, a song would play, and a lyric would just hit me. And I'm done. And just processing with the Father because I know how good he is. Because everything that I've experienced, he's experienced for me. I wasn't left alone by myself. And I took so much comfort in that, even though I was walking this life alone with myself and, and two little girls.
And, and the story doesn't stay there. And then we were talking, and he, and he started quoting Romans chapter 8. Now, I just want to read it. It starts in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Wow, that's good. And then verse 27. And he who searches hearts, talking about God, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse 28. And we know that for those who are loved, love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You told me, not only did you know that, that God is good, but that God, even in this, this tragedy and trial, that you still be able to see him work. And you said that, that there's something that you tell your students just about every day. And it's kind of your montage to life. But tell us, because you said attitude's everything. Yeah. So what is that saying? So I have a f few former students here in, in the audience, and um, I always send them out class every day. Do your best, be your best, and change your best. So hang on, got to make sure you catch that. Every day, do your best. Every day, be your best. And then the last part's good. And he said, and every day, change your best. In other words, get a little bit better. That's good. That is so good. And, and there's a little background with it. I mean, I, I think as we're all moving towards eternity, it's our goal to change a little bit better every single day for the Father. But the flip side of this, and I don't share this with the students, he already sees us at our best. Mm. That, that's, that's what this is about. It's about the restoration. He's already restored us, and he sees us at our best. And that's why he can love on us the way that he loves on us. See, I, I, I don't mind telling you, I get frustrated when I hear some pastors and stuff where they're talking, you're so wicked, you're so bad. Oh, you did, I mean, like, you're so low, but because of Jesus, that's not how God looks at you. He looks at you, and, and he knows that through him, you, he knows how good you can be, how powerful you are, the difference that you can make, no matter what is going on in your life. Well, we, we go through all this tragedy. We have all these things going on. You're, you're just pursuing God and, and doing what he's called you to do. You, you made your way. We won't spend time talking about it because of time, but... I don't know how, but you show up at Crossroads, which we are so thankful for and been amazing. But all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're at a track meet, and you didn't know it, but tell them what's going on in Ron's life today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, God is good, and God is faithful, and God has a sense of humor about it all. Um, it's just the favor of the Lord. God brought a wonderful woman into my life whose name is Bethany, with four amazing, amazing boys. 
that I'm so proud of to be able to speak into their lives, and I hope I do it well. And I thank Crossroads for that. And whoever wrote the, the message in on the bathrooms this morning, I just thought it was so appropriate because someone wrote in, in the men's bathroom, love them well because they're watching. And there's so many of in, you in here that have loved me and my girls well. And this does mean like there's a transition. We're so excited for this transition because now we go from a house of three to a house of eight which is like crazy, crazy different. I mean, it is, like, it's holy cow. And, and but, just so everybody's aware, because I don't know if you're picking up what you're throwing, him and Bethany got married. They didn't just move in, because we'd be like, hang on, man, we're going to talk. Yes, yes, sorry, we, 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 we did, we <laughs> did get married. Bethany's over like, make sure they know that we're married. Yes, yes, uh, about, about a month ago. Yes. yes. So we did, get, we did get married, and it's just been, it's just been a heavenly blessing from the Father and, and restoration. Literally, God has taken Ron on a seven-year journey from grief and loss to restoration and joy. But it's one of those things that I just want you to know. Like, I asked Ron this, and, and I was like, okay, when everybody's telling you there's going to be a miracle, and everybody's telling you it's going to heal, and then, and then your wife passes away, like, how do you handle that? He just kept saying, because I just knew God was good. I just knew God was good. But I, if you want to share anything, I'll give you the opportunity to make any closing remarks. If you walk out of here with nothing today, just know that God is good. Even when we're feeling our best, we can't live up to his standard of, of his goodness. But he's so good. My story is, is one of of loss and grief, but you may be experiencing grief in a different way. Friendships, divorce, all those things are real. And if I hadn't addressed it with my grief share class and just understanding it and realizing I can talk those things out and what I'm experiencing is, is okay, I wouldn't be here today. But, but I stand on, on the fact that God is good always. He's always, always good. You guys give Mr. Ron a big hand. Wow, what courage. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, while we were talking through all this and, and listening to this story and listening to his story and, and, and talking through different things, there's one thing that he told me. He said, Mickey, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, I don't. I don't know how somebody can get through something like this without Jesus. He said, I don't know how anybody could get something, get through something like this without Jesus. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, you know, the reality is because when we get through things like this, we, we find ourselves at the end of a rope, right? And, and if Jesus is that rope, it, it, it gets a little bit crazy because we can kind of tie a knot in it and and just hang on and kind of swing in our faith. But, but I want to give you the most simplest definition of what I think happens in a lot of people's life. If you don't have Christ as the center, then the problem is, is you're just reaching out for a rope. That's the reason why you reach out and you're grabbing for a rope and you, you find self-medication. You're reaching out for a rope and you, and you find addiction. You're re reaching out for a rope. And listen to me. I, I'm not here to give you an excuse. I'm here to tell you. It's okay. 
we know how it happened. Life may have hit you, and you were just trying to find something to hang on to. But listen to me. I want you to know it's okay. You just grabbed the wrong thing. And Jesus is like, I, I, I will be that rope. I will be that thread that will bring about life. But I need you to let go of the other rope that you're hanging on. Because you can't reach me. And it scares us to death. Because there's, there's comfort in that rope. Even though we're, we're falling, because we're holding on to a rope, we don't feel like we're falling. Like, like it's, it's, it's like jumping off a cliff into the water, holding onto a rope, not realizing, like, hey, I'm still dropping. It's like you got to let go. you got to let go of what's not provided you with the comfort and the strength and recognize that. And then you got to go and grab a hole of what will. You know, we, we talked about what, what Satan wants to do and, and where this stuff comes from. But the prior to that verse, it says that he came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. He also says through Paul's writings so that you have hope today so you don't give up. He says, he being Jesus, who began a good work in you, is faithful to complete it. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.